This is episode 38 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 38 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have the man that's bringing Grant Cardone to Toronto on the podcast. This is a really cool podcast with Erwin Zito. And that's right, he's bringing Grant Cardone to Toronto on November 9th, which is the Saturday. And he came on the podcast to talk about his particular recipe for wealth creation. Erwin likes to call it wealth hacking. He's a real estate investor since 2005. But he's also into several other types of investing, including naked put options, which are something I had never heard of before this episode. It was an interesting conversation to learn that it's not just about real estate investing. There is a basket of items that create wealth, and Irwin is someone who's practicing that. I'm really excited to go to his conference, which is happening this weekend, and learning more about what it is that he's doing. Some quick housekeeping before we get into the podcast. The next Greater Hamilton REI meetup is happening on Thursday, November 21st. Please check out the show notes for the link to the Greater Hamilton REI Meetup group on Facebook. This is a resource for everyone who's a part of it. We've got tons of active investors that are on our Facebook group and come out to our event. They're ready and willing to share. So if you're already an established investor and you want to take it to the next level, this is the place to be. The people that you want to know come to this event and I absolutely love it and I know you're going to love it too. So please either Click the link in the show notes to join our Facebook group, or you can DM me at the Andrew Hines on Facebook or Instagram, and I can get you the link that way as well. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 38 with Erwin Zito. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Erwin Zito on the podcast. You heard that right. Erwin, how you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. This is this pod's blowing up. Everyone's talking about it. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Says, uh, yeah, you're a fellow podcast host. So I had Sarah Larby and Alfonso on, also podcast hosts. So uh, mm-hmm. making the rounds, but yours is obviously huge and uh, you have a, a big following, but you're not just podcasting. You're doing a heck of a lot more than that. So for anyone that doesn't know who you are, uh, could you just give, I, I know 30 seconds won't be enough. Maybe we'll give you a minute <laughs> to summarize your, uh, your journey in real estate and, uh, and social media at the moment too. Right. Um, so most people know me for my podcast. Uh, people, you know, people are very kind. Uh, I've been, uh, the podcast has been named the top 10 podcast for, for in Canada for real estate in the real estate space. Uh, I've been named a top 20 influencer in Canadian real estate. Um, I've been a real estate investor since about 05 ish, 2005 ish. I've been around for a while. Uh, I have a business where we help uh, teach people from the Toronto area to buy real estate, mostly in Hamilton, St. Catharines, Brantford, a little bit of Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. Uh, and uh, I'm known a lot for my charity work as well. It's called the, the Hamilton Bash Brigade. Uh, we we try to help the most impoverished people in the city Okay, because uh, that's kind of our mission. We're just here to help. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So you've done a lot of helping between the podcast and, and mm-hmm. you have iWin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have our, yeah. We have yeah. our own uh, membership group as well. Uh, okay. We were about 80 people right now okay. and we may add a lot of members at the uh, Wealth Hacker Conference we have coming up. <laughs> yeah, that specifically is interesting. So somehow you managed to uh, to get a hold of Grant Cardone's people and and line him up for, for an event, which congratulations, that's a, that's a no easy task. Oh, it's not. <laughs> so, so perseverance is one of your strong suits, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, anyone who's known me growing up with me, my clients should know who've been with, mm-hmm. around me for a long time will know I am no one special. I was a mid-level student in university. 
I uh, just wasn't motivated enough until uh, I actually found something like real estate. And now, uh, and, and I found my path, the best way I can help people. Mm-hmm. And also by helping people, I make more money. By having more money, I can invest in real estate, create more housing affordability. Now I'm doing stock options as well. Mm-hmm. And the whole plan is just to leave the world uh, to be a better place than the one I joined. You know, one of my, one of my plans is to leave at least a $5 million dollar uh, charitable foundation when I pass uh, to continue my charity work that so it can continue on without me. And, and I get chirped a lot from my friends. Uh, they think five million is way too small. So, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but if anyone knows me, I, I'm not a big goal person. I'm a big pushing person. I will continue to push no matter what it is. Um, okay. Give me an example. An example is, again, I don't, I'm not a big goal person. Like my real estate portfolio, I never really wrote goals like as in like I'll buy three properties this year. It's more about uh, I'll I'll make I'm trying to again I create a lot of value. I earn money. Once I have fifty hundred k, I'll go buy a property immediately. I give myself right. thirty days to buy a property. I'm just pushing. Okay, right? so you just save up urgency. the money, whatever you get through your business, then yep. that you're rolling that into real estate every yep. time. Yep, I create that urgency okay. myself, and uh, I create a lot of urgency in myself to motivate myself to. To do more, be more, right? Like um, okay. when I was young, when I was like, um, when I first started looking at investing as like a full-time gig, I was thinking, I want a hundred properties, yeah. right? And then uh, the week I had my daughter, my first, my firstborn, I was lying in bed, I couldn't sleep. I was looking at my phone, and I, was, and I googled how much does it cost to send a kid to university. Mm-hmm. And I found a Global Mail article. Wow, really good search engine optimization. Found a Global Mail article. And, and based on current inflation rates, it'll cost, I think, $70,000 of four years of tuition to send my daughter to university. That doesn't include living. No, exactly. Yeah. And that, and who just does four years anymore? Everyone yeah. does a lot more than that. And then I can be, my mind can just go nut bars at times. And so I'm thinking, I don't want to add to my retirement age. How do I make this money? I bought her house within the next week. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both my kids have houses already. Uh, they're you're holding it in trust for them. Is that yeah. how you're doing it? Essentially, okay. essentially, we basically earmarked. Yeah, earmarked them for, to support them through their education and uh, probably a down payment on their first home as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. How many properties are you at now on your on your real estate portfolio? We're at ten right now. Ten properties, yeah. and that mm-hmm. includes the ones that are earmarked for your for your kids as Correct. well. Correct. Okay. And what what's your bread and butter? What are you looking for in an investment? Uh, it's, it's it's changed so much. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everyone talks about the burr. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because when I started, we weren't we weren't surround there weren't podcasts there weren't um, yeah. detailed books on investing. So to us, we were doing the burr without ever being taught it because. Prices were different then. The first yeah. house we bought, um, my girlfriend bought it, right? My ex, my ex wife now, but she was the one that want, that bought it. She bought it for in the low one fifties. Yeah, that's those days are gone, kind of. Oh, <laughs> it's not even far are. from that. It's not even yeah. that far from here. Oh yeah, Burlington. Okay, well, yeah, yikes. it's downtown Burlington. It's five minute walk to Brand mm-hmm. Street. We paid yeah. hundred two bedroom one bath. At, what's what's the two bedroom one bath go for today? Detached bungalow. In Burlington, Downtown. like even yeah, even near this area, like you're gonna be into, you could be anywhere from six to nine hundred thousand dollars for that, right? So you, and yeah. it's understandable. I was yeah. mortgage free before thirty. Yeah, that doesn't exist today. So again, to your sort of answer your question was, what was our thing? We'd usually buy stuff that needed work because uh, my ex, their family, they had a, a contracting business. Okay, so we we'd fix stuff up, 
it was that wasn't me though i i yeah. come from um I, my my dad's a doctor uh i never done hard labor before <laughs> not just yeah. hard labor i've never done sweat equity work before like i worked right. in grocery stores i traded time for money and stuff like that but here we i was like chipping wall tile off yeah. the bathroom walls get my hands all dirty chipped up i didn't have gloves i didn't have tools because i didn't know what i was doing yeah should have been wearing eye protection probably too yeah <laughs> and and so that's progressed all throughout i've never been afraid of doing renovations because it's um we've done so many of them i've i've seen so many of my my exes projects i have a good idea of uh how to work with contractors uh i know how to look at quality of work I've been through hundreds and hundreds of home inspections, so not much phases me. Well, you've probably seen a lot, and <laughs> we probably should have, you know, said this at the get go. But Irwin, you're a realtor, correct? Yeah, I have my license. Yeah. yeah. So, are are you like, is that your main occupation as being a realtor? Is number one investor, number two, kind of thing? Uh, it is. It is my main active income. Okay. Uh, I I haven't practiced in about three years. I have a team of uh, five agents. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my job is more to to coach them and to um, to put out a lot of value, like things like the podcast, right. to bring to bring clients to us, to attract clients to us. So clients are coming in through knowing you, mm-hmm. um, your brand, obviously, and all the things that you do and mm-hmm. build around that. And then that's mm-hmm. that's a kind of a function that comes from uh, you, you. You drive a lot of business through that. Yeah, I drive a yeah. lot of business, and uh, yeah, and I've you know I have peop- I have five agents to support. Yeah, yeah. So in your years, you uh, you saw a lot of houses, did a lot of housing inspections with the housing inspector because mm-hmm. you as the realtor can't leave until the that's until right. the inspector's gone. So man, you learn a lot. I, that's a great way to learn some real estate. Where did you like? Where's your comfort zone now for renovations? Are you doing like a full gut? Will you guys build anything new, or are you are you more just you know take the bones that are there and make them look nice? Uh, so our last project, it's got asbestos, really leaky foundation. Not much scares me really. It's more, it's, I'm a numbers guy. Uh, just, yeah. just like when I called the bird, like the logic strategy, it was just a numbers yeah. thing. So not much scares me. I'm not interested in doing anything more active. Like I have a young family. Um, like I buy almost all my properties off MLS okay. because I know how to value add. Right. I think that would be my strategy up to this point too. It was always a, I knew how to value add through my reno so I could pay market price on the buy and still come out. Yeah. I, I bought two properties in one summer and refinanced all my down payment out of the two uh, over a, a six to eight month period uh, with with like just a smart renovation. So it's definitely possible, but it, it gets harder and harder the more people understand what you understand. Like the more people that are willing to do that work that know the model, like for instance, duplex conversions, all the rage in Hamilton. I'm sure plenty of the people you see um, your agents working for are buying them it's gotten so competitive now that the numbers are sort of working out that uh, your after repair value is really just the cost of your purchase price plus your renovations. That's Are you seeing that in Hamilton? Yields are being squeezed everywhere. Yeah. I hear from everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mastermind with folks. Uh, they don't think they'll mind. I share their names like Susan White and Ryan Carr, who, mm-hmm. are, who are very dominant in their markets of Barrie and Oshawa. And it's pretty common for folks to, to continue moving further away. I know lots of people who are going to picking up their families even and moving to Windsor, Ontario yeah. to, to, to invest there. Like Sav. <laughs> yeah. Like Savio. Yeah. 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 Uh, the yields are getting thin. Um, real estate's changed a lot since we first started. We could cash flow $400 on a single family home. In Hamilton, back, right? Yeah. Back in the day. 
Yeah. That doesn't. Now we're now the now the reverse is true. We're shoving a whole bunch of money into a property to yeah. make it a legal duplex to try to get four or five hundred bucks cash flow a month. Yeah. And then and then more recently is uh, I have a single family that I used to rent to students. Uh, they were too rough with it. Uh, so then I turned it to an Airbnb, spent a lot of money renovating it, mm-hmm. new kitchen, new bath, finish, refinish the basement to take away the extra bedrooms to change the layout and move the bathroom, significant renovations. And then I spent another $15,000 to furnish it for Airbnb. Uh, and, but it's, it's suburbs though, right? So I'm not, this isn't, I'm not disparaging Airbnb or short-term rentals. It's the, the, the truth is that that model didn't work. Uh, a whole house in the suburbs did not work in my, on my market. Uh, for a, a two-bedroom apartment, yeah. gets, I only get a small premium over a two-bedroom apartment. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So give me a neighborhood or a, a greater, bigger intersection. You know how to give me the address of the property, sure, obviously. Sure. Uh, like I mentioned, a student rental, it's near Mohawk College. So new, new Mohawk, okay, near Mohawk, okay. Yeah, so on yeah. the mountain, uh, full house, and you're renting it out as a full house. I could see that a full house wouldn't really get the value. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's gotten to the point where we forecast our September rent, uh, September income to be less than that that we would get for a single family. Yikes. Is this a new experiment? I think I it's heard you talking. Yeah, yeah, I think you heard you talking about this on your your podcast. And, and uh, a lot of people have been reaching out and saying thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Like, like people have been asking me because I don't know why they asked me. I only got the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's all these other people on social media who, who, who say they have lots of them. And people are asking me, how's it going? How's it going? So I feel it's my duty to share. It's not going well. And again, it's not, I'm not disparaging the anyone. It's the specific property in a suburb of a bedroom community is, yeah. is not working for me. And so I'm actually yeah. going to sell it in order to fund my stock trading account. <laughs> yeah, just sell it, fund your stock trading. It, it makes sense that, that that wouldn't be as effective. I've heard, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in, uh, in kind of this process of the podcast and a lot of the guests have had some people who really focus on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to be that there's a lot of uh, a lot of attention on smaller units. Mm-hmm. Like bachelor apartments are actually fantastic for Airbnb, Absolutely. but not really so great for renting. So those I think are a real opportunity. Yeah. If you can find something that has a few bachelors, maybe not so desirable on the market, but now you can buy that and rent those out on Airbnb and, and really drive way more than you would get yeah. uh, versus a house. And we shared exactly that. And one of my uh, one of my recent meetups was I shared my experience in my numbers, and then we had Zach Willems share his experience. So Zach is a an investor, a realtor in yeah, Hamilton. Zach. In Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, you know Zach. Okay. Yeah. And he shared he's getting like no vacancy on his bachelor. <laughs> is that that he runs it as an Airbnb? Yeah, he, he has a he's a multifamily, and okay. one of them uses a bachelor. Yeah. And so he runs an Airbnb, and he's okay. doing fantastic. He has almost no vacancy. Yeah. Right. And, and that's it probably point. pulls a comparable number to what your house pulls as far. It was getting pretty close. He's yeah. got a fabulous location though, because he's on like yeah, Lock like, Street, right? Yeah, downtown kind of ish. Um, is he in your uh, your brokerage? No, he's not. He's part of our, our island. Oh, I went. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I guess uh, the next thing to do would just be kind of go back to some of the other types of, of real estate you're invested in. So you, you've done the Airbnb more recently. You've done some duplex conversions. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And I have some student rentals as well. You have some student rentals. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite so far? Honestly, right now it's the stock stuff. <laughs> the stocks. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I'd love to show you just because yeah. it's it's changing my life. Doing the stocks. Yeah, I've made eight hundred dollars this month. Enlighten me. I mean, I, I stocks. I 
I'm a hard sell. So sell me on stocks when it, because I, I would love to know. I mean, and this isn't just about being one-sided about real estate. I, I genuinely am interested. So, so like I said, I have 10 houses. Yeah. Uh, I always believe that it's, it's pretty common. I believe the, the, the most wealthy people did it through three things. Usually they have all of it, all yeah. three things. They have a business, they have real estate and they have public and private equities. Yeah. I have almost no equities, as in like stocks, yeah. bonds, any of that. I'm a, I have almost none of it. I have 10 houses. I'm, right. I have a bit of, I could use some diversity, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with the stock stuff, are you familiar with the calls and puts at all? Yeah. Okay. So, excellent. So, um, I, most people aren't. So, I'm going to... Yeah, explain it because we got a lot of listeners that, that aren't. So, so, the most simple way to explain it is uh, I'm being paid to provide insurance on blue chip stocks at prices I want them for anyways. Mm-hmm. And these same stocks, often they pay dividends. They almost, pretty much all the ones I do, do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, Warren Buffett owns them. Okay. Owns significant shares in these companies. For example, Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. right? It's publicly, publicly, inf- public information. Warren Buffett's company, Berkshire Hathaway, owns almost uh, $19 billion worth of Coca-Cola. Interesting. I am okay with making the same bet that Warren Buffett is. Yeah, so you're just kind of following him in the market. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's actually the reason I'm not a fan of like mutual funds because they're trying to be smarter than Warren Buffett, like make smarter trades mm-hmm. and, and like flip stocks, you know, mm-hmm. hold it for six months and then flip to something else. When like even Warren Buffett says, don't do that. That's really hard to be good at. Mm-hmm. And even the, the guys that are most prominent in the industry have trouble. And this is actually the thing that kind of kept me from wanting to get into stocks mm-hmm. too much is because there was just too much um, needing to be very, very smart with it. And very, very well, uh, well educated with it. Or you just copy the guy that's doing everything right. And, exactly. And, yeah, whatever they say, right? Right. And the person who's teaching me, um, yeah. I, I have some real estate friends yeah. who are doing this as well. So, like my friend Omar Khan, he's been pushing me to do this for ages. And it's because he just wants to give back. It's meant so much to him. Mm-hmm. This same strategy that almost nobody knows of provided him down payments for his portfolio of 30 plus properties. 100 okay. plus doors. So you're saying you're selling a put option? Yeah, I'm selling a naked put. I don't own the stock. You don't own the stock. So you're just basically, did you go to an institution and have them create it and sell it on your behalf? No, or? I just have this app on my phone Yeah, using interactive brokers, which is a, okay. it's not some fly-by-night app. Okay, <laughs> They're a, an S&P 400 company. They're a billion-dollar company, publicly traded. Yeah, uh, I believe they have, they're pretty dominant in this space. But anyways, okay. IBKS is the, the acronym if anyone wants to go look it up on the app. Again, I'm not I'm not uh, licensed to give advice. I'm not giving advice. I'm just sharing what I'm yeah. doing. Well, no, I see. I've never dove into this stuff. Like I, I know in theory because I went to business school, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. never dealt with any of Same. it. Same. Yeah, I went to business school. I'm like, when did they teach us this stuff? Yeah, because this is gonna make me rich. So and and the, so going back to the story with Omar, he told me this two years ago. Yeah, he's like he's like um like I make a lot of money. He showed me and like go read these two books and you learn how. So I read the two books. And then I did nothing with it. Life is busy. Yeah. I have kids. I have a business. I have my properties. I have the stuff I like to do for fun. I didn't find time for this. And then I ran into Omar back in April. We were just both having to be at the same place having lunch together. And he's pushing, he's pushing me again. Like, you should be doing this. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll find time. I don't have time for it. He goes, you know Adriano, your electrician? Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, I know Adriano. He's the one actually that did the knob and tube wiring in my Airbnb house, the one I want to sell. Omar's I know Omar's a Hamilton investor too so okay. you'll, you'll run into him eventually <laughs> if you haven't already okay no I don't know if I have uh 
he says he's my electrician too. I taught him to trade. And he Omar and he told me Adriano made six figures in his first twelve months. Wow. This is my electrician. I know him. Like he's a good guy. Yeah. He's not a finance guru by any means. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe I can do this too. So then I took it more seriously. Omar showed me some more things. I took his course and I'm like, I am I've never been so clear on where my retirement is gonna be. And it's coming faster than I ever thought possible and more free than ever thought. Wow. Oh, you'll have to uh, send me those uh, those book recommendations. I'm, I'm curious. I'll, I'll definitely uh, give it a look. It is absolutely wild. I seriously just opened my phone. There's two good... There's uh, Generally, you do it once in the morning, once in the afternoon. No more than half an hour a day is necessary. So to simplify this, if we wanted to, to kind of explain it for somebody that's in grade four... Um, we would say that basically you're, you're committing that if somebody should choose to want to exercise this option, mm-hmm. that you will in fact buy a stock from them at a set price. Might Correct. say, call it 10 bucks. Correct. And say the market value of that stock's five bucks. You're on the hook to buy it for 10. Correct. You're betting that that will never happen. And that's why you're, you're issuing this, this put in the first place. Uh, I'm no, I'm not betting that's not going to happen because I know it will eventually happen. You know, it will eventually drop yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Just like we're real estate investors. Yeah. Right. We, you and I both own properties in 2017. Mm-hmm. The market went down. Okay. Average price in Hamilton went down by 10% from top to bottom. Okay. It went way worse if you're in the GTA and a detached property. Yes. Right. Did you actually lose any money? No. See, my stuff's in London. So London just kept going. Right. Uh, but, you know, now now I'm more focused on this area because mm-hmm. this is where I live. And right, right. it's just, it's really difficult with the hour and a half drive right. all the time. So everyone in, everyone I know, no one sold mm-hmm. during, the, during the down cycle yeah. of the last correction in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So did anyone actually lose money? No, they only lost if, if they sold, of course. Right. Uh, some people did sell and yeah, that, that's a story of its own. So, but... If you have the put option that you've issued out, you do have to buy it. Correct. Even if the market's five, you're still paying 10. But at that point, you're looking at this saying, that's a stock I wanted to own anyway. Exactly. I'll buy more at five bucks and I'll enjoy the the profits that I made off of the option exactly. over this time. And is the payment that you, do you get a regular payment on the option? I get paid up front. You get a full payment up front? Yeah. That's just good, you know, for the life of the it's stock. Mine. Does it ever expire? This, the option expires. No, the money's mine. Yeah, the money's yours. Does the option ever expire? Like, how long do they have to exercise that? Uh, so you you choose when you're deciding what option you want to sell. Mm-hmm. You pick a date. Okay. Yeah. So and you get paid accordingly. You get paid accordingly because the further yeah. out it is, yeah, the more likelihood that you will have to, uh, to buy it, buy the yeah. stock. So then they pay you a higher premium. Yeah. Man, we could we could go down a rabbit hole here. I'm not sure how many more questions I'm going to ask. But just but, a simple, simple, simple yeah. things, right? What does a smart yeah. money do in a downturn if you yeah. are if you are bullish on the on the overall market? Myself, I'm not advising anyone to do anything. Yeah, I bought two houses in 2017 yeah. when things were on the way down because I knew when it was going to go back. I'm I'm trying to think of the Warren Buffett quote, but I mean that's where like all the money is made or the bulk of the money mm-hmm. is made when times are bad, right? right. Be greedy when everybody else is scared scared and then be uh be conservative i forget his exact wording whenever when everyone else is being greedy mm-hmm. right so when the market's going crazy that's when he's kind of waiting for it all to crumble and then exactly and then come back around yes right. certainly the real estate market is uh is a yo-yo on an escalator mm-hmm. uh good uh good uh, terminology I've, i was told once um it's going up and down as it goes up Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots of opportunity in there yeah. to uh, to do it there too. But I don't I don't think you really have options against your home. You just got to kind of watch it and buy low if if you can. Right. To me, I'm not trying to time the market per se. I'm just trying to buy under market. 
find a deal, find a deal, find something I can add value to that other people don't understand. Uh, You have to have an angle. You can't just go out and buy a house on the market unless you have a very, very hands off um, strategy where you're not looking to aggressively grow Mm -hmm. and you're okay with just shoveling money in and Mm -hmm. and letting the market do do its thing, which it obviously will. Uh, I just study the market. It's just my opinion. I have a, mm-hmm. I have a, my feeling is, well, I think people know what my feeling is if I buy two properties in the middle of a downturn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to me, I'm with you, man. Like I believe in Ontario's market. I really do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like your Coca-Cola example. Like there are so many markets that I wouldn't invest in outside of Ontario, you know, in the U S but in, in this specific area, because of our economic policies, because mm-hmm. of our immigration policies and what's happening in Ontario, mm-hmm. it's like, there just aren't enough houses. So being one of the enough. people that owns them uh, is probably not a bad thing. Right. Like yeah. w- where we are right now in Burlington, mm-hmm. there's a whole, there's no new development for two years. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're really starting to push now. So, I mean, the, Burlington doesn't want it, right? A lot of the people here don't want it, but mm-hmm. the province mandated it, right. right? So it's happening. We've got high rises going up downtown. Right, right. Several now. My it's, business is houses though. Yeah. I believe that's yours business as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm and not, they're not uh, building any more of those. I'm not building any uh, any high rises, and yeah, you know, in terms of houses, that yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. going to become really rare. Mm-hmm. Like now, we're going to see more semis, a lot less um, single detached properties. You know, one thing I noticed over the last several years is lot sizes just get smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. Every new subdivision you see, like go back 40, 50 years and look at subdivisions, how big their lots were. Now people are like, you can practically touch the house next to you. That's yeah. a standard thing. Yeah. What is it? One meter? I think one meter is the, the standard setback. Yeah. 0.9 meters in uh, in London anyway. I mean, I don't I think Hamilton has a fairly similar. Um, and then if you go up two stories, your second story has to step in. You can get right into the, the building code and bylaws of it all. But uh, it's yeah, interesting stuff there. So what is uh, what is next for you? I know you're, you're focused on stocks. Um, I did want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. kind of your personal organization and what you're trying to do next so why don't you just start with what's the main plan you're working on iowa and you've got grant coming to town <laughs> yeah, and then what kill a little bit on the go yeah so i just want to finish with my, with uh with where i was going with i was okay. buying when the market was going down sure okay go ahead. so again just simply look at history like i like i am i am prepared for myself for when things go bad mm-hmm. right good example when thing when i was talking about two um so for like back in 2007, when the financial crisis happened, yeah, Bank of America went at four dollars. Right, right. What if you bought it at four dollars? There were a lot of things like GE was way down, yeah, Apple yeah. was way yeah. down, and that's um, what Buffett teaches, right? Yeah, just wait for those moments. Buy those those blue chip stocks so you know those companies have enough liquidity they can survive right. the downturn. They have right. enough diversity that they can exactly they can survive the downturn and then right. and then reap the benefits. Yeah, that. And guess who owns a lot of Bank of America? Buffett. <laughs> $25 billion. Yeah. Well, he made smart moves. I remember I was I didn't have my stock account and Apple was $76 a share. Mm-hmm. And this is way before they did their split, their six-way split. And I think they've done another one since mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. This was back in like 2008. And I'm like, okay, I need to get set up for uh, an E-Trade account. So I sent mm-hmm. away. It was a two-week wait. It went up to 86 bucks. I'm like, damn, I missed the boat didn't buy it within like three years it was at four hundred dollars a share mm-hmm. and uh yeah i told that story a few times as like one of the bonehead moves i did you know but hindsight's twenty twenty. i uh for me i think that the, the rule that that should 
prevail here is that you invest what makes in what makes sense to you. Absolutely. So yeah, if you if you read the book and it makes sense, then rock on. Right. If it doesn't, then don't act. Right? right. So for me, for some reason, real estate just always made sense, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming for you it did too because you became a realtor. You know, you, you're selling it to your clients, and and obviously you've been through a million home inspections. Right. It made more sense when I when when I was put in a room with like hundreds of real estate investors. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, if they can do it, I can too. Right. Right. I think that helps so much. Oh yeah. Uh, like for example, like the six minute mile or the four minute mile of Roger Bannister. Okay, yeah. I remember, it took how long? Yeah. For someone to break it, and then as soon as he broke it, someone else broke it the next week. Yeah, because belief, right? Yeah, because you just believe. Right. That's, that's why I'm big on the networking. The big on the the meetups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love the podcast for that because it gets you know guys like you and I in a room together mm-hmm. where we can share ideas where we might not have otherwise. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we do a, a little meetup, you know, just at a local brewery here, and just get people together, talk real estate ideas, and you walk away with an idea. You're yeah. gonna get an idea. Some oh he did that. He did six this year. Well, mm-hmm. if he can do it's six. Inspiring. Yeah, it's inspiring. And then you ask me what I'm up to. Yeah. Uh, so I'm listing my Airbnb next week. Yeah. It's, it's already furnished. <laughs> so you staged it. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I staged it. I'll send my stager through to yeah. give some final touches. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to do that to increase funding to my account. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm just sharing what I'm doing, not advising anyone what yeah. to do. I've already made over, collected over $800 cash in one month off a $10,000 bankroll. I hope to increase my bankroll significantly to get more cash. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned earlier, there's three pillars to to make to getting wealthy, mm-hmm. and those are the three pillars that we're covering at the wealth at the Wealth Hacker Conference. The, so I'm I've built a pretty good business. I built a I've built a, a multi million dollar business just with my real estate, um, helping people buy property. I've got a pretty good portfolio uh, of real estate, and I'm doing stocks. But I'm uh, I'm not always the best to teach all these things. So, for example, my yeah. mentors are teaching how to build a business. So, Tom and Krad said they literally, from the floor of their garage, started uh, Rockstar Real Estate, which is now an eight-figure company. Right. And just recently, for the fourth time in a row, they've been named Profit 500. So, meaning uh, among among private companies in Canada, they are among the 500 fastest growing. Okay. And then we have my Omar, who's teaching me to to stock. Uh, to do stock options one of the richest people i know he's he has a lifestyle that i want okay and that he only works half an hour a day <laughs> his real estate investing is actually what takes up the most of his time yeah uh, so i would i would like some of that uh because yeah, he's a very wealthy individual and funny enough his nickname is the communist oh yeah because he's so giving he wants to pay more tax he wants to give more to charity and he wants to change the world um, and this is his gift and he wants to bring it to everyone. And when we ran into each other at lunch, when he explained to me like you can teach Adriano this, my electrician, we got to teach everybody. Yeah. And that's where, and that's what we're doing November 9th along with a whole boatload of real estate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, hey, that's great. Like, and I, I've been very one dimensional with it. So I'm, I'm totally open to, uh, to kind of seeing that side of things too. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, we're done here, I'd be happy to show you. Yeah. Well, do you do you mind sharing the books that uh, you would recommend for people? Oh yeah. yeah, I actually thought I should save you save you the the trouble because everyone's been asking me and DMing the crap out of me. What are these yeah. two books? <laughs> Money for Nothing by Derek Foster. Okay, he's from Ottawa and okay. he's retired. He retired at thirty three or thirty four years old. Uh, okay, uh, he I don't know how accurate it is, but he he says he's the youngest person to retire in, in Canada. The difference though is that uh, he lives 
like he like not judging he lives a modest lifestyle yeah he drives um his he even says his vehicles are like 10 years old they're not mm-hmm. they're nothing fancy he lives in a basic home seven kids he lives off of his dividends though uh i be, that's i believe that's most mm-hmm. most accurate he he taught to write um he taught to write to sell puts in order to so you could get the price get the stock at a cheaper price and then collect dividends okay. versus this strategy is we are turning over our money regularly we write we sell the put so we get that money yeah and then seven or eight times out of ten the option expires worthless then we just okay. do it again what time frame are you doing uh, it really depends on the individual as I am uh, networking with other stock option uh, investors, they all have various strategies and it's really largely based on what they feel for the market. Yeah. Like if you have like a lot of earnings coming up, you may want to exit your positions before they come out. Right. Right. That's no different than real estate. There's like, if I know something bad's going to happen or something, you know, like for example, we have the CMHC, uh, Trudeau's pouring a whole bunch of money into the market yeah. between now and November right so my opinion so i tell my clients good time to sell you probably want to buy before this all all this stuff hits right yeah. as an example right that is bit of time in the market on a very yeah. micro scale so same idea you can do with this i'm generally around uh, three to five weeks oh that's that's it so that's you're it. very short term time frames it's a market yeah. right there's a, yeah. there actually isn't a big market for for beyond that okay yeah and then, so again, six or seven, eight times out of 10, I just keep the money and I do it again. Go yeah. collect another one. And hey, then, you're doing it inside like a TFSA or a registered account? You actually can't write naked puts in TFSA or RSP. So okay. I'm doing this uh, in personal. Just personal. Okay. And then uh, my wife tells me not to talk about accounting. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to your own accountant on the handling of uh, stock option yeah. income. You know what? I, I talk about a lot of this stuff on here and I never give the... Uh, don't do what I do. I probably do indirectly, but um, just because it works for one person doesn't make it work for another, Absolutely. right? Everything is person specific. So right. we'll always share what we do, but it doesn't mean it works for, you know, person listening or oh, watching and you know, what have you. So I get this all the time because I've been yeah. talking about this nonstop. Yeah. Because like, I used to work in risk management at a big software company that we sold million dollar software to big banks and big software um, and insurance companies. So my, those friends of mine, like, oh, you could lose lots of money in stock options, right? Yeah. And so I just, I explained to them, it's TD Bank. It's, I'm not recommending anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's Enbridge. <laughs> it's Bank of America, yeah. Coca-Cola. If something go, if I, if I go broke, the world broke. Yeah. And then you right? got bigger problems. You have bigger problems. You have I, way bigger problems. You know, I say that with real estate, you know, one of the things I always love with it is, you know, no matter what happens in the market, you've got a physical building that mm-hmm. I can go out and touch. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. And if I don't have that anymore, then we're all in trouble. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, when, when would people not need a place to live anymore? Exactly. That's the logical thing, right? That just like slam dunk made sense to me is just like people will always need a place to live. Right. As long as people want to be in that area. But, you, you know, even dying cities in the U.S., if there's still houses that are, are you know, closed in, mm-hmm. you'll find a squatter in there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Everyone needs a place yeah. to live. So, but those cities, like like Cleveland, Ohio, for example, mm-hmm. they've been they've shrunk they shrink like something like two four percent a year. Mm-hmm. What are we doing in the Golden Horseshoe? Oh, it's going wise? crazy. Yeah, the U.S. market. You know, if I lived down there, I would probably I would probably be a flipper. I, I don't know I'd be in for the long haul unless it was in like manhattan or miami or some you know some place where i thought that there was 
a reason mm-hmm. for it to be continuously an awesome place to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Like for Miami, it makes sense. It's a huge sh- shipping hub for both illegal and legal things. And uh, <laughs> there'll, be all, there'll be a demand for that real estate. Uh, you know, anything on the water obviously has a demand that, you know, it's, it's, it's scarce, right? Mm-hmm. And in the GTA and then where we are in Ontario in general, land is scarce, but specifically where we are because of the green belt, because of the lake, uh and and the influx of people that all want to be so close to the Mm -hmm. border Mm -hmm. it's like man like there's such a reason here like we where we live we're right our our south of the border is the world's largest economy Mm -hmm. we're so lucky (laughs) yeah we're where we are i think we take it for granted like where we sit right now we're about an hour from the closest border to get into buffalo Mm -hmm. and yeah we have access to that market Mm -hmm. uh we're on a major shipping route uh Mm -hmm. from there uh that's I consider myself lucky to have the opportunity to invest here, right. to know about it. I know there are guys out, you know, investing out east and all that. But, you know, for me, that never really made me feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Like, if, I'm controlling. You're controlling? Yeah. yeah which is part of my problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. I, I, I manage my own properties from a distance. And I have people that work for me. And I, I have tried managers, but I didn't like what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt mm-hmm. like they weren't showing care to my assets like right, I would, right. which right. I think is, I don't know how you escape that. If you've got a secret, you tell me. Um, but, uh, actually funny enough that you came over today. Um, I remember you talking about, you had a skunk under your deck. Yeah. 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 Not, to, not, not that long ago. Skunk in my house in, in one of my rental houses. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It crawled under the crawl space in the, the addition and mm-hmm. we just found the, uh, the, uh, hole yesterday. So Never. I've got a guy going in there to throw ammonia rags and put a, a light. But, uh, what, what are the odds <laughs> the day we're getting together? I find this out. And then the funny part of it yeah. is, if it was my rental, I would call somebody. I did call somebody, yeah. This is my home. I yeah. dealt with it myself. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just that uh, that stubborn, huh? <laughs> Very stubborn. <laughs> I remember you saying that. Yeah, you know what? Any investment property, I'd pay for it. But yeah. this is my home. We, we handle things ourselves. Yeah, yeah that's why my, my rentals, a lot of them look a lot nicer than my home. <laughs> Fair enough. Like... <laughs> I'm a pretty simple guy myself. Like I don't, I don't need anything special. Like I always kind of had this like dream. I wanted to have like a little studio uh, basement like that I could soundproof so I could play my drums and not hurt the dog's ears and, and, you know, have band practice. But other than that, like I don't need a lot of space. I don't Mm -hmm. need to collect things. My Mm -hmm. wife on the other hand likes to kind of buy things and Mm -hmm. accumulate things. So we, uh, we manage that. Right. Wait till I show you the stock stuff. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm very interested. Herman, I was wondering if you could step back for me here and tell me a little bit about your personal organization. Cause it's not that many people that, that get to the accomplishment of having a high performing real estate team business, having a training and coaching uh, business with members that can bring in Grant Cardone and also be an investor. You've got 10 properties. You've got a lot on the go. I'm a charity too. And the charity. <laughs> and I'm probably a million things that we're leaving out. How do you organize your life and, and what do you find? What kind of systems have you implemented in your life that have allowed you to a- achieve these type of results? I married smart. <laughs> married smart. Okay, I'll write that down. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because she's more popular than I am, I feel. Okay. <laughs> she gets invited to more speaking events than I do. Uh, if anyone doesn't know who she is, she's Cherry Chan. Uh, she's an accountant. Um, I remember one day she stormed into my office and said, D- you should appreciate me more. And I go, don't I already? She's like, and she was like, you know, your accounting bill would be about $10,000 a year. 
You're like, I don't got it. <laughs> <laughs> the you benefits. Know it. <laughs> uh, and she's supported uh, me through this journey the whole way. Um, like as as a when I, work, having worked with investors, I knew pretty soon if a couple would work out or not. If the couple, uh, like if a couple came together, husband wife partners, whatever. Mm-hmm. If one had one was usually full in, and the other partner had to be at least neutral. If, right. If the other if the partner was negative on it, yeah. this wasn't going to work on an inv- on an investment on investing yeah. property not on investing in general. Yeah. Right. That's a general statement. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's that's in versus and actually there was an article about it just recently someone shared it but if uh if you if one person's full send and the other person is full send you're going to accomplish way more okay yeah well no i i definitely get that so so where i'm at so i'm fortunate that my wife uh she grew up in real estate like her mom carmen is a uh, very very inspiring and developer real estate investor yeah, she's a superstar yeah superstar <laughs> tv show host and what happened is you know it kind of became such a, a household conversation it almost got like boring like oh that sounds like work and she and she works in the business right she works in in pro funds mortgages and valor capital plus she's on the on the show as well jordan co-hosts and uh so to her going to networking, sometimes it's like, well, that, that kind of just seems like extending my work, right? Mm-hmm, Cause she mm-hmm. does that for work mm-hmm. and uh, I get where she's coming from. But for me, it's all about, um, you know, growth. I, I genuinely enjoy that, that mm-hmm. process. So she's fully supportive of my real estate investing. She's kind of just like, yeah, you go, you go ahead. Uh, but she has her own investments too. Um, you know, she does, you know, joint ventures with her mom and, and this mm-hmm. and that. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I'm fortunate for that. Right. Like it, it just kind of worked out really nicely. And uh, I was actually shocked when I when I first spoke with Jordan to find out that her mom was a real estate investor because she's like, well, what do you want to what do you want to do with your life? I'm like, I don't really know, but I think I want to invest in real estate. I just I don't know how to do that. She's like, well, you should talk to my mom. And that was uh, about nine and a half years ago. <laughs> yeah, she does pretty well. Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's definitely someone to watch. So I think that she was episode nine or ten. If uh, if anyone wants to go back and, and listen to Carmen talk, but uh, yeah, definitely somebody who's been inspiring to me. Did you have uh, mentors other than your wife in this uh, in this process? Her her father was okay. the one that was really pushing us both okay. to do more real estate. Um, like my dad does well. He's a he's a do- he's a family doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, wow see so we business wasn't really a big part of our lives um we my grandpa's business did really well to send all his kids um to mostly to canada to go to school and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but then uh with outsourcing to china that business was lost so there was no real business uh investing in our family that was ever taught to me um so then comes along um my girlfriend from university her dad and he was pushing us so it's sort of like rich dad, poor dad. Okay. Because they lived a very good life from running business and they're, and then with the extra, their savings are buying real estate. And, and that was a, a major catalyst for me. Okay. So I thank them forever. For so your first wife, that was, that kind of was the, the kick or this, that was the kick. And yeah. the, 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 the huge kick though was like the financial crisis. Our real estate's working really well. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm I'm a pragmatist. I'm looking for le- path of least resistance. Like no, like no different than any other person. Path of least resistance to making a lot of money, and that's yeah. what wealth hacking is. The the path of least resistance to getting you to your goal. Right. For for many of us, it's for wealth. Right. Yeah. 
and you know, I think everybody defines wealth a little bit differently, but if you're on the rich dad, poor dad side of things, it's, it's wealth is a time thing. How long can you go mm-hmm. if you just stop working? That's yeah. that to me really is wealth, right? Yeah. So technically you could be wealthy if you had two rental properties and lived in your van. Oh, you know? absolutely. I'm not telling people, yeah. like, not everyone has to go 10 X. Yeah. But I think you should do at least what you're capable of. Sure. Like you're capable of pay, like paying off your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much further ahead you are? There's actually an article that just came out on uh, a, a study uh, in Australia. I think it was Melbourne. Mm-hmm. They have redefined classes of who's rich. At the top, landlords. Yeah. Step down, people who are mortgage free. Okay. Step down from that, people who own their own homes. <laughs> yeah. Below that, who do you think? Tenants. <laughs> Tenants. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, so it's funny you say, you know, you're you're uh, paying off your houses, and I know that that's a that's a strategy a lot of people have. If I talk to Carmen, it's like the exact opposite advice. What are you doing, paying it off? Refinance <laughs> that, pull it out, and right. do you know, do it on another one. So, right. there's that comfort thing, right? Because everyone has their own comfort. Like, how yeah. much do you want to borrow on a on your personal home, right. or do you not want to have anything on right. your personal home? I know some people that are just like that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. nothing goes on my house, mm-hmm. but anything else is fair game. But here's the other side of yeah. it. If you're capable of a lot yeah. and you're a good person, yeah. like for example, like could you imagine, a, like I'm a huge superhero fan. I love Spider-Man, Superman. Spider-Man always confused me because he actually has a conflict. He doesn't always want to be a superhero. Okay. But, and so it takes Superman, the Boy Scout, because I was a Boy Scout. Take Superman, for example. All that ability. Could you imagine if he didn't help people? Yeah. Now, now make, it, make, it, make it real now. Make it reality. Like you're a talented individual and you're a good person, right? If you're a good person and you love to give to charity, I want you to be super wealthy, right? Because I know a lot of people who are really good people and what's just been missing is they didn't know how to get wealthy. Yeah. And like my, when I look at myself, again, I'm no one special. I was a mid-level student. I graduated in the middle of my class in university. I'm just a bit more motivated than most is what I find. Mm-hmm. So my motivation is, I want to leave behind at least $5 million for my charity as a foundation. And then with my friends, newfound friends, Omar and Matthew, who are doing the stock option stuff, I'm pretty sure they can get me 10% of my money. Yeah. Right. So I, my, my charity will then have a half a million, yeah, half a million dollar operating budget every year Okay. to help families in Hamilton. Right. That's awesome. And so what we do is we feed people, we clothe people and our instructions to the public and Catholic school boards is give us your worst. Who needs this the most? And then I saw a post on social media. I've spent way too much time on social media. Someone has a charity in Kitchener. Their target customer is what they do is they do, they put together care packages. So basically uh, they, they take a kid's backpack and they stuff it with toys, clothes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And who they're giving it to is kids who are going to foster homes on Christmas. Oh, wow. Because who as like, and I was just, because I swear yeah. when I get excited, <laughs> I'm like F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. We need to do more of this because I yeah. can't imagine a worst, worse Christmas than that. Because yeah. these kids get taken out of their homes often without a chance to pack a bag over Christmas. Yeah. So I'm like, mother. Yeah. This you got to do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I need to do something because I'm capable of it. Mm-hmm. I already have a registered charity. I just need a hell of a lot more money to go help these kids in yeah. all different cities. That's a great motivating factor. You know, it's crazy. The goal to help more people is uh, is a huge one. 
And, and you it's like I love the Spider-Man quote. Way too superhero crazy. That's all right. Uh, when he and when Spider-Man, the more recent Spider-Man, when he met Iron Man for the first time, holy geeking out. <laughs> He's saying he was saying uh, uh, Iron Man asked him, "Why do you do this?" He says, "Because bad things happen to people, and there's something I can do about it. So, and, and if I don't do anything about it, then that's my fault. Mm -hmm. So I am capable. So if these kids don't get help." Eating on Christmas, eating on Thanksgiving, having toys for Christmas. That's on me. Interesting perspective. And that stuff pisses me, pisses me off like crazy. Anyone yeah. who's a parent and you think about kids who can't eat, that mm -hmm. just drives me. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I'm, I'm like uh, kind of terrified to have kids for how, how much it would like control the way I think about so many things, right? Like yeah, yeah. even just looking at the world today and like some of the things like I can spot that are not right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just the thought of deciding whether I even want to bring a kid into that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the podcast and the meetups and all the stuff I do to try and, you know, help as well. Um, I think part of me wanted to, like, I understood there was a huge benefit to, to building a brand, but a big part of me wanted to kind of spread that wealth of knowledge because I grew up in a relatively poor family. We never had much. Mm -hmm. And my mom came from, you know, broken war-torn family came to came to Canada mm -hmm. and uh you know my dad never had much either so it was just like man there's too many people out there struggling you know living unhappy oh yeah and uh you know there's even more than you think like if yeah you monitor social media they're just putting up the good stuff yeah you don't know about the financial heartache well yeah and I, I've seen so much of it I, I think just you know having grown up into it like just just having to hear hear the you know the the fights at the uh the dining room table i remember my parents used to argue about money occasionally yeah. and I, I would walk in on it and i'm like man that's uncomfortable yeah and uh you know i think that people shouldn't have to suffer through that, no. and that which is why i'm so big on helping people to see why real estate is is yeah. a smart thing to do early and, oh, yeah. and just keep doing um we're also like if yeah. you have kids yeah man i was talking to a york professor york university professor his kid wants to go to dentistry school yeah, not just dentistry. Any dentistry school. He wants to go to UBC, in the most expensive city in Canada. Yeah, and what does it cost? I think it was like forty five thousand dollars a year for a four year program. Yeah. If you're and you know, I'm not telling anyone to do anything. This is mm -hmm. just how I feel. If it's my kid's dream to be a dentist, I'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, that makes sense. But I'm surprised, though, like you being a businessman, uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and, and an investor. Mm -hmm. I went to business school. Mm -hmm. I'm not so, so sure I would encourage my kids to go to school. It depends what. And again, I don't yeah. want to I don't want to define for my kids what they should be. OK. Like, for example, I have, a, I have a cousin who's a musician. OK. And school was not well set up for an artist. Mm -hmm. Right. You had to do English. You had to do math. You had to do science right he's a musician yeah right he's a brilliant musician why mm -hmm. so, so for that if that's my kid no i won't right it's their choice right but if that kid wants to be a veterinarian that's not easy to get into and then you probably have to go outside the country to do so. Yeah. And if you know what we charge international students to here to go to school, then you're going to have to pay the same thing for them to go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. If that's my kid's dream. And even more simply, I right. trained with a friend of mine uh, who who got a full ride scholarship, division one 
NCAA to be a rower, right? Rowing, you know, on a boat. And then uh, Olympic trials came up. She was invited. She couldn't afford it. She couldn't afford to leave school because the school, her her full ride would end if she left. Okay. So, she, so for money reasons, she had she couldn't leave. And then she went on to see her teammates that she was better than go on to the Olympics. That'll be frustrating. So I'm throwing MR, yeah. MF bombs everywhere. Yeah. If And I'm such a... I love this country so much. If my kid has the opportunity to represent this country... Yeah. It's going to happen. And that, it's not decision yeah. will not become down to money. Yeah. And I, hey, I'm right with you there. That's why for me, I, when I think about this more, and I don't know the right way because I'm not a parent yet. And you've obviously got that unique perspective. But uh, just the idea of teaching teaching my son or daughter financial responsibility, young, mm-hmm. like teaching them how to be an entrepreneur and encouraging that at a young age mm-hmm. and show, you know, showing it's okay to make mistakes on small stuff so that you learn and and you know, then you you learn that lesson for the next one because I I made mistakes too. I wish I wish that I would have been encouraged to do that when I was young. And I think that that you know, then you put them in a position. You say, well, you you know, that's your dream. We want to make sure that no matter what happens, we'll work together. That you can always do that. You know, mm-hmm. you'll be empowered to do that. So um, it's funny. I will both have a we both have a similar idea there. Maybe just a different execution on it. But uh, well, it's this is yeah. the, this is the weird part yeah. about being successful and wealthy. It's how do you not raise spoiled children? <laughs> yeah. And that's funny because that's that's the, a popular discussion among my friends. <laughs> also a concern of mine, right? Like my parents didn't didn't pay for my university. Mm-hmm. They didn't uh, they didn't do any of that. But that was kind of a gift because at mm-hmm. 18, I had a panic attack when I was left at school. The first day I went into debt, you know, to pay for my first year's tuition. And uh, I truly felt like an adult at 18 years old, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of people don't get that until they're 30 right, you know right. what i mean like it just depends on on when when is the cord cut mm-hmm. you know how long uh, how long do they have a, a safety net mm-hmm. right so not having a safety net empowered me to really start thinking seriously and it took me a few years but not having that help so that is hard how do you how are you going to do that with your kids <laughs> i'm a student so yeah. i'm a forever student i never yeah. believe i know everything i actually found yeah. an article from 2015 there was a financial advisor who actually specializes in young people from 15 to 25. She works for rich families, really. That's yeah. not her client, but that's who yeah. rich families hire her to work on their kids. And okay. her suggestion was uh, to make the the child pay for everything for the first year. Okay. Right. Or And then other models, like I've asked, I've, I actually ask a lot of people, I ask a lot of successful people like Tahani, for example. I think you know Tahani. Like, how do you not raise spoiled mother. kids? But she's, you know, baller. She's a baller. Yeah. And her kids are awesome. Yeah. They're, they're, they're all in their, um, I think one just turned 30. Great mm-hmm. kids, right? How'd you do that? Right? And her thing was, you always bring the kids to everything. So they get exposed to things. They bring them to it. business meetings. You yeah. know, teach them to shake hands, look at people in the eye. And then revisit with them, like, what were we talking about? Right? Yeah. Like, teach kids negotiation, communications. Like, it, it's, it seems like it's still been lost. Uh, like, basic communication. Uh, how many people haven't read When Friends Influence People? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, have your kid read that, right? How do you talk to people? I think they, they will learn if you do that, what you said. They're going to mm-hmm. learn everything about how you do things, mm-hmm. right? They're going to learn how you're frugal when you're frugal. They're going to learn how, you know, how to win a deal, yeah. <laughs> how to make a deal, yeah. and how exciting that can be. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had lots of F-bombs, good F-bombs when you've made a good deal. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not saying I'm always negative. I'm yeah. grateful every day for my life. Yeah. Uh, 
I also take my kids when we get, when we, um, so our thing is we always have to meet our tenants yeah. on, on signing of leases. Okay. And often I'll bring my kids. All right. All right. Because often they have kids. I want them to know that we're real and also people, this yeah. learning experience for my kids. Yeah. Uh, and then I also explain to them, they pay us money because they can't afford a home what would you rather do when you're older <laughs> it's good contrast it's it's really good contrast and same with charity yeah like people like i have a friend of mine uh my client uh did come came to our charity brought her 20 something year old kid and this was pretty common was a lot of kids were bawling when they did our charity work because we used to deliver to people's homes mm-hmm. uh, i remember remember we asked for the worst of the worst we asked for it. Oh, okay so you get to see it all yeah we get to see it all and then like, i remember um like young men were bawling because they'd never seen this before. They'd never seen the other side of life. Mm-hmm. My friend Roger, his his son, who was uh, it was funny as Christmas. His son asked for he was around twelve at the time. He asked for a PlayStation. He asked for uh, those those Beats headphones and a and um, I think a new phone. Right. So mm-hmm. we're talking about like I don't know three thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah, that's not that's, a small that's, order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Roger, understand Roger, Roger came from nothing. And then, then they went and went to someone's home. They saw it was a dirty, small home. No, all the toys were broken and well-worn. And when, when Josh got back to the car, bawling, he said, told his dad, I don't want anything. Give it all to them. Wow. Right. That's and incredible. this is, this is, this is what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm a simple guy like yourself. I don't drive a fancy car. I don't. <laughs> we don't renovate our home. <laughs> All our money goes elsewhere, and I'm fine. But what gets me excited is stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Helping people. That's and, great. Yeah. And you know, like helping people be wealthy because it's not about money. It's about freedom. Right. Like I have a client who uh, who is a mechanic, and people don't always like they don't think that's a good job. Yeah, it is a good job. But mm-hmm. think of how a mechanic lives, how they work. They're in an auto shop. There's no heating. There's no air conditioning. They're spraying and breathing in what chemicals? Yeah. And it's also phys- they're quite physically demanding as well. Mm-hmm. Right? And he was able to retire. Yeah, that's actually uh, my my friend, a uh, very good friend, um, used to be a mechanic mm-hmm. and retired himself through real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah. So I know the the stories. He It was his, his daughter that motivated him because he would come home he would have to leave so early, wouldn't see her in the morning. And then yeah. we'd come home so late, wouldn't see her at night. She's already in bed. Right. And he's like, enough of this. Right. And uh, he retired himself from right. the job. Fine, this, when people get angry about something, what they can do. Right. This yeah. isn't about greed. Yeah. This is about freedom. Because mm-hmm. life is short. Yep. Right. Does anyone really want to miss those years no. with, with their kids? I couldn't agree more. To me, freedom is the word. Like mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no price tag on that. Right. And when I'm when yeah. I'm telling you, my friends, yeah. half an hour a day yeah. on their phone, making six figures a year. Yeah. How you not jump up and okay? I'll I'll, I'll learn more. I'll take a course. Yeah, yeah. You so, learn a little bit about it, and yeah, you can obviously make make some educated decisions around that. Yeah. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit because I know we didn't really uh, get too too deep into the real estate. So oh, sure. more <laughs> more real estate wisdom. Sure. Go ahead. Um, what is one thing? Because you're obviously very experienced. One thing that you would recommend to investors, maybe guys that are newer or they're intermediate investors mm-hmm. and want to take it to the next level. Right. What would you suggest to them? Uh, newer, just like you're from your own experience, challenges with property management. Mm-hmm. I would never invest in a city without uh, ideally two, three good, really good property managers. 
Okay. Uh, I've been through about five myself and it's a pain in the, you know what? Yeah. Uh, because again, this is about freedom. This isn't mm-hmm. about being a landlord. Do you, would you recommend to people that they, they self-manage for a time before they, they hire a property manager? It's never a bad idea to, mm-hmm. to at least do the job yourself. Cause you just, you just, you're just so much more educated when you're, when you yeah. set demands on your own property manager. Yeah. I feel that way too. Like I've I, pretty much everything I've hired out, I've done, or I've mm-hmm. been witness to having done mm-hmm. so that I understood it first right. and property management. I kind of made that mistake with my student rentals. Mm-hmm. So I hired property manager right away. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up actually kind of right. biting me because I felt kind of incapable when I took mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. So I wish I'd done that in reverse, but I was mm-hmm. just, I was acquiring so quickly. Right. And I kind of put myself in a little bit of a pickle. Then there's also, I don't want someone to not invest because mm because they don't want to be a property manager because a lot of our clientele they have kids they have they live an hour away they have jobs mm-hmm. so that's why our business has always been make it as easy as possible yeah. for them here's my property manager he's an right. ex-policeman yeah. he's everything that you expect <laughs> so you've laid the groundwork for people oh yeah. everything like yeah. that's our business is we try and make it as easy as possible for our clients Here's our contractor. You need know, a plumber. Here's our here's our plumber. You need a, you need a handyman. Here's our yeah. handyman. Because you know, on these mar- in this where we are today, these guys are all in short supply. Oh yeah. My property manager is doing referral only from like three agents. Yeah. And then you've got Manny as well working for you, right? Yeah. That uh, he's he's just for you guys pretty yeah, much. He's but we too don't busy. share him anywhere else too. Yeah, because he's too busy, right? People DM yeah. me off off social media like, "Who's yeah. your contractor?" Like, I can't share it with yeah. you because his priority is for our clients yeah i'm kind of in the same spot like my guy is just too busy doing everything for me exactly so then how do you scale yeah well that is yeah see that to me is where systems come in right so so having a property manager sure but for me like you bit of a Mm -hmm. control freak Mm -hmm. um i want things done my way Mm -hmm. you know everything from my bookkeeping my property management how people are talking to my tenants uh, a procedure and policy for everything and I'm realizing that is the mistake that i've made to this date i haven't written my procedures down Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like when i so I'd rather hire somebody and train them than I would hire somebody who has their own company for me. Mm-hmm. But not everyone's like me. Like that's mm-hmm. just kind of me from my experience, what I've gone through, mm-hmm. some of the burns I've had yeah, yeah. kind of makes me feel that way. Yeah, There's no right way to do yeah. it because like, for example, my friends, are, I, have, I have friends with like Mike and, Mike and Lou Weirot, mm-hmm. who are they're the ones building the Connolly, right? Okay. They don't have any employees. Okay. That's, you know what I mean? That's not a bad thing either. Right. They do lots of projects. Yeah. But I'm friends with like people like Ryan Carr, who has like three crews. Yeah. Right. There's many ways to do this business. Like he has three crews as in like he can have three rental projects doing all the same time. And they're yeah. all his employees. He's an impressive guy. I've spoken with him uh, one time. I, I met him. But uh, yeah, it seems like he's doing a million things and mm-hmm. still quite young. Yeah. Yeah. Smart yeah. guy for sure. I don't know really what the advice is because I think it's really a case by case basis. But, you know. I'm buying, yeah. you're buying, yeah. we're not dummies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to go. You yeah. just got to do it. You know what I appreciate? You didn't say get educated, which is like 98% of people's response when I ask that mm. question. It is an important answer. Don't get me wrong, but I like that you gave a tangible response there. So have a groundwork basically. It's funny. The thing about educated is, okay, brand new investor, go get educated. I can filter it down real fast for you. Yeah. There's good teams in these cities yeah. that are within an hour drive from you. Yeah. Like, do you really need to know? Do you need to know about uh, Germ region? Right? No. Do you care about Aurelia? No, no. You, right? I think I think that the education means something different, though, for everyone, right? Like, right. for me, 
I think I needed to know what went into the different jobs. So mm -hmm. I knew when I was getting quotes, what was ridiculous right, right. and what was like, okay, that makes sense. So even, even your meetup, at, like the amount of knowledge somebody could glean mm -hmm. just from talking to a few other investors, mm -hmm. that's education right there. Right. Um, so the way that we work is mm -hmm. we're, we're licensed real estate professionals. So we're mm -hmm. realtors. We get paid on the deal, right? Yeah. And our, our clients in Winston in our world, yeah, your family, right? right? We'll review the contract. We'll review the contract. The, uh, we'll review your quotes for you along with you. Right. And our contractors know this. <laughs> yeah. They will behave appropriately based on that. And also they hear it from us when things, things, don't, things aren't right. Right. That's beautiful. So that's, that's why I believe go find a team, mm -hmm. go find a team like such a, go find a team that you uh, align with ethically, morally, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. Just do what they do. You don't have to re sense. reinvent the wheel. Cause I look at myself, like get educated. Oh man, I spent so much time looking at deals that I never would do. Yeah. Right. Versus having someone just hand it to you on a platter. You know what? Hamilton, we do a lot of basement suites. Do you know why? Because they return the most. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, do you really need to, do you need to educate yourself on, um, on triplex conversions? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, you don't. Yeah. Like, my wife's an accountant. She reviews probably over somewhere over 200 real estate investors returns. We know where the returns are. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I agree. Having having the teams and the groundwork in place can yeah. save a lot on on some of the education mm -hmm. or, or cut down the time needed. Right, just yeah. having good teams. And you're right. If you have, that's what I love about community. If you have contractors that are part of community, mm -hmm. it's a small world and, and, and news travels fast. Right. Everyone mm -hmm. knows your pricing before you even you know yeah. even do it. Like I know the guys that kind of run in my circles, what they're going to charge for a basement conversion. And I actually love that. I know that. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to worry. I can kind of plan accordingly because mm -hmm. I know kind of the numbers floating around. Yeah. Um, really helpful. Okay. So I appreciate that answer. Is there something you would say to people absolutely do not do? I'm not a black and white person. So I don't know if there's anything. Okay. If someone's probably doing something I would be against. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is about freedom. For example, I was talking yeah. to someone uh, this week. They invest seven hours away. Mm -hmm. That's that's. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Seven hours each way. <laughs> I had Brock Rogerson on the show. He invests in St. John, New Brunswick, and lives in San Diego. <laughs> Couldn't be further apart. <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. It's it's not it's not necessary. He has his angle. He's a machine, though. I mean. It, it fits his personality. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, other people wouldn't be so. Right, right. Yeah. Like there's people that can yeah. work, like Gary Vee, for example, or Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. They can operate with almost no sleep. Yeah. Right? I'm not going to tell them not to do that. Right. Right. It also cost Elon Musk three marriages. <laughs> I'm not going to tell. Still, yeah. again, it's not my place to tell you not to do that. <laughs> right, right. Right. Um, that makes sense. But do something. Like I've failed so many times. And so many people won't start because they're afraid of failing, right? I've shared my Airbnb failed, my marriage failed, right? But it all led to something better. Yeah. So go ahead and make mistakes, yeah. preferably within the confines of a community of a team that will support you. Pick you up. Yeah, you're going to need it. I've, I've told the stories many times on, on, on this show of, of my mistakes. And, and if I didn't have people like Carmen around me or another 
uh, mentor of mine around me, I probably it would have probably got me out of the game. Yeah, yeah. So you got to be around people that'll support you when yeah, that, when it happens, yeah. and hopefully mitigate the mistakes so that mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't destroy you. It just right. it just stings a bit, you mm-hmm. know. And then you still learn, but you you can stay in the game. Right. Actually, there's yeah. one thing I don't think enough people yeah. do: reference checks. My goodness, there's yeah. so many people like who are doing talks who are like they're they're charismatic people. They give talks at places and they. Uh, people are impressed by them. Don't even do reference checks yeah. on them before they do business with them. I, I, uh, like, you I know, think we're talking about, about somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're right? not give names, but yeah, okay. No, I, I, I'm with you there. I agree. Yeah, right? check, check on people, and especially tenants. <laughs> <laughs> I check on. I even check on the landlord that they put down. Mm-hmm. I look up and find out if that landlord actually owned that property, mm-hmm. because you know, if you have a suspicion, double check. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, done that before. I've called them yeah. and asked about the the apartment they have for rent. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to verify they actually are a landlord. Yeah. yeah. One time, one time it was actually that's a good story. One time they're like, "Oh, how'd you know it was available? We were going to keep it for ourselves." Oh. <laughs> and I had to apologize. And then he's like, "Oh, good, good, good." Yeah. And then I, I called, and we're living, we're in Burlington right now. I called a big property manager in Burlington. I did the same thing, right? And then I apologized. I'm doing I'm doing a reference check, and I thought, and I asked, "How many how many how many people do reference checks?" She's like, "Then how many people call you?" big property manager in burlington mm-hmm. she's like almost nobody my god you wonder why people think real estate's risky i've heard some things uh, i hear it especially from rental agents oh well you know somebody's either good or they're not we don't get three applicants you take the one like if you got a good one like no this is my property and i get to pick the best <laughs> i don't just take one applicant uh, you know it's Everybody is motivated by their own interests, uh, you know, for, for better or for worse, right? Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. you got to be real about that and just understand that, yes, re- rental agents, property managers, better if they're in a community such mm-hmm. as yours where they have accountability to the people in the community and it's, you know, word travels, right? Yeah. So you got to be, you got to do good business. Yeah. My so, pro- you have, I, I have my yeah. ex-policeman property manager yeah. screen for me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can do it better than I can. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Because um, he's got to deal with the tenant if anything bad happens. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, you know, and they got their own tricks, right? They know what they can, they're not going to bite off too much more they can, than they can chew, right? right. They're going to pick a, a tenant that, yeah, even if he isn't perfect, we know how to deal with that. Right. And if nothing yeah. else, property managers spend a lot of time at the landlord tenant board. Yeah. So they see who comes through. Sure. If you're dealing with someone who doesn't sit there, you don't you've know. lost that screening. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so just before we go here, if somebody would like to learn more about you, Erwin, what is the best way for them to either contact you, follow you, or where would you like to send them? Selfishly, wealth, wealthhacker.ca. Wealthhacker.ca. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's, uh, that's, the, that's our website for the, for the conference. Okay. November 9th in Toronto um, at the Toronto Congress Center. Okay. Uh, headline speakers, Grant Cardone. Um and then if anyone wants to follow along, if you have the spelling, my name, it's not easy, not the easiest to spell. <laughs> you I'll can link follow it. me on social media. Yeah, I'll link it. Uh, show notes. If you're on Spotify, you're going to have to actually go to my website, andrew-hines.com for all the show notes. For some reason, Spotify doesn't actually show them all. I, I just learned this because I went on. I'm like, I've been telling people to go to show notes and it's you can't even get them. Uh, it cuts them off after like four lines. So anyways, yeah, I'll make sure Erwin's information is there so you can uh, you can just click the profile and you can follow mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram. Probably be a good spot. Uh, you know, I I'm, I spend too much time on social media. I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about like I'm probably going to delete them from my phone after the conference. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully uh, you get a few days uh, of contact with Erwin then on Instagram. And, uh, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be start of November. Hopefully it's not too late by then, maybe late o- October. So 
um, we'll get to it. Uh, but real quick before we go, so what do you do when you're not giving to charity and focusing on real estate or stock investing? Man, that's that's one of the toughest thing about having this conference is a lot of those things have, have fallen to the wayside. Uh, and then what's been the nice thing is also is that I've, re- I've realized more of what I want to do. Uh, so after the conference, uh, I'll be getting back to CrossFit. I'll probably be only doing private lessons for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because I'm afraid of getting hurt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I used, I've, I've done Jiu-Jitsu for close to three years. Uh, that's another thing. Next, but the nice thing about when you have money is I can pay for private lessons. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And I want to be that annoying parent that volunteers for all their kids' events. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And especially for the men who are listening, which in, uh, is it it's usually there's usually me and usually another dad and then it's the rest of it's all nannies grandpa grandmas moms yeah at any sort of volunteer event well times have changed right it used to be one parent worked one parent stayed home mm-hmm. and now it's both parents work and have to hire a nanny and and you know things mm-hmm. have things have really really changed obviously mm-hmm. from from the 60s and 70s which uh, you probably would have had every bear every parent out there oh i think my yeah. wife wants the same thing so it'll be yeah. we'll probably be only yeah two parents in attendance as volunteers for, yeah. for stuff our kids go to that's, and that's freedom that is exactly right? right could care less about money yeah the money get the money gets helps my charities and stuff yeah. i care less about actual like having bills or driving a nice car yeah right no, I, I I agree completely, and and yeah, my buddy Mike, I was talking about him earlier. You know, retired from work, retired his wife uh, on real estate investing. You know, they they can walk their kids to the bus stop, they can pick them up, they can they can do all the things with their kids, take them on vacations, mm-hmm. spend time. You mm-hmm. know, you can't buy time back. No, well, money is renewable. Time yeah. is not. Yeah, exactly. So. Anyways, Erwin, we, we obviously could could go on and on, and I uh, I appreciate it. I think uh, I think we've got a date lined up to uh, for me to come on your podcast, so yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll continue the conversation there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming over, and well, thank um, you, and we'll uh, we'll see you when I come over to you. Uh, well, I guess I'll be skyping you, so <laughs> we'll see you on Skype, and uh, and at Wealth Hacker, I'll see you there. Awesome, thank you.